Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and I know it. The person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn, apply it to your life. It's your turn to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with Evie Bat. Hey, Evie, how are you? Great. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. So Evie is a writer, uh, strength and conditioning coach, and she inspires uh, badass women and badass men, which I think is really interesting that she groups the two together because most of the time when I have somebody on here, they're either inspiring, you know, women or they're inspiring men. And I think we're going to get into a really interesting conversation between the two of us because we have so many similarities. It's crazy. Um, So, all right. So tell me, how about this? You just take off wherever you'd like and we'll go from there. So um, we were talking about, before we started, we were talking about how she had sold her previous business. Tell me a little bit more about that. Um, Well, so I wasn't always in the fitness industry. I actually have a degree in sociology, which is actually relevant to my story. And it'll make sense a lot about why um, I have a very mixed audience between male and female. Um, But so I'm a sociologist by trade and um, had planned to go to law school. My husband was in medical school at the time. We've been together for, oh, geez, 20, 29 years. Um, And so I was working. Yeah, currently. Yeah. He's, we've been together since I was 18 years old, which is unheard of. And I'm 47 now. Right. Um, So anyway, enough of the boring stuff. I was going to go to law school, decided after working in that field, I had no interest in it. I loved people and I loved history and I loved studying people, but I didn't love the practice of law. So then I kind of floundered for a few years. I went into the financial industry, created a highly successful Um, financial planning business on my own when we lived in Texas, Um, but I was not passionate about it whatsoever. And when I was 27, my husband was still in his residency. Um, We had our first daughter and she passed away the day that she was born and um, which is a whole nother topic, but it's relevant in that it was a life affirming 
moment for me where I was never going to do things in my life that I was no longer passionate about. Like, yeah, it was like one of those days where you're this person and now all of a sudden in two seconds, you're a totally different person. So my past careers and stuff, they were useful because we didn't have to be poor while my husband was in medical school, but I had zero passion for what I was doing. So I ended up um, just diving for my own mental health, diving deeply into fitness. I found that like when I moved my body, it like made me clear my mind. It was the only way I could really find peace was pushing my body to a limit that I didn't think was possible. Isn't so I got into that. How that happened? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's amazing. If people could just understand, right? If they could really understand what we're talking about, mm-hmm. as far as when you move your body, you have more energy, you feel better. Those are fucking, those are facts. And yes. I don't understand why it's so hard for people to understand. Well, and I have a saying that your body houses your mind and your spirit. Boom. Right. And that just gives you a visual like, yeah, none of the rest of this shit in our head exists without this body. Right. The body's gone. The rest of it is gone. So that's how I try to draw people in with letting them like allowing them to take care of their body and then also trying to explain to them the importance of that body because all the money, all the intelligence, raising your kids, none of that shit matters if your body goes. That's true. Yeah. And I experienced that firsthand. So I can teach that because I lived it, right? I didn't get it before then. Like I played some sports growing up, but I was not necessarily super into fitness or athletics. So, you know, let's just back up for a moment. The the baby passed. Was it stillborn? No, um, she had what's called trisomy 18. And um, so like Down syndrome is trisomy 21, where they have an extra 21st chromosome. My daughter, who her name is Catherine Rachel, she had a extra 18th chromosome. But the genetic information that sits on that 18th chromosome is like the sex swallow breathing coordination. So short of putting her on some kind of life support, there was no way she was going to have a life without us um, majorly medically intervening. So, How long did it take you to, I mean, that, that had to have hit you extremely hard. Oh, yeah. I was a really fucked up mess. Oh, right? my God. People see me now and they're like, oh, you're so put together and you're so strong. And, you know, you've got this confidence. And it's like, oh, my gosh, if you could have known me, that was 18 years ago now. So a lot of time has passed. That's why I can speak of it so freely and honestly, but for years, I mean, there was, you know, there was probably four months where I couldn't even get out of bed. I I mean, I I can't say that I I can't imagine it'd be any different. I can't fathom. I just can't even imagine. Yep. Holy shit. But I say now, and I actually realized this and it was kind of a a strange, um, I call it just like a grace that I believe in God, like I believe God gave me this grace to never really question it. I know that sounds funny to people, but so many people were like, oh, you're healthy and you're successful and you guys are smart and you took good care of yourself. Why would this happen to you? But I never really saw it as something that happened to me. It was Mm -hmm. like her life, right? Like her life was supposed to only be a very short period on earth. 
And I just always felt grace to be your mom. And then the lessons that I could learn from that, I mean, I wouldn't change anything in the world. And fast forward five years, we traveled all the way across the world and adopted our daughter from China, which never would have happened had we not had to let our first daughter go. So, you know, I just like, that's a lot in two minutes, but. No, but I, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you view it. You view it the way you do, because you're right. It is not, you know, it's not this devastating. It is devastating. Don't get me wrong, but especially at the time, but. Yeah. You've used this for good. And that's what I love about stories like this because, you know, I, I've heard, actually, I'm not sure where I heard it, but it was yesterday or day before. And a girl or guy, I think it was a girl talking about how, you know, she, something had happened far less than her baby passing. Yeah. And, 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 and how it had defined her whole life. And it was yeah. something like, you know, her dad got killed when she was younger, but defined her. Oh, I know what it was. She walked, she left the house like a normal person, went wherever the hell she was going. And this is horrendous. So uh, the, the stepdad, her stepdad, this girl's stepdad, raped and killed her two sisters. Oh, Jesus. It gets worse. He then burnt the house down. So they fortunately got the dead bodies of the children out first. That's how they knew he did what he did. Mm-hmm. And so, but for, I don't know, it's been 20 or so years, and she still is living in that experience. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not what she was supposed to do with that. I don't think. Yeah. I think that it usually in those, you know, life affirming moments or instances in our life, people tend to go one direction or the other, right? They either, and I don't know, I don't know what determines that, right? I could have just gone into depression and used it as an excuse the rest of my life, but my dad committed suicide when I was 10. So I had experienced death and I was really like death kind of shaped my existence in my early years. So then when I experienced it and now I see it as like, like I'm just a strong enough person to handle this kind of shit. And maybe if I have to go through these things, I can share my story with other people so that when they face these kind of challenges and maybe they're not just as strong at their core as I am, that maybe me going through these things and sharing it can benefit someone else's life. I mean, I know it did my daughter's, right? My daughter was abandoned on the doorstep of an orphanage in China the day she was born. And then all these years later, here we get connected. And I mean, she's the love of our life. And so, yeah, it really is. Like, I believe oh. in it. But I also believe that we have a responsibility to take those things. I and mean, you got to fucking see through it. Yeah. Right? So I don't believe there's like, oh, there's all this terrible shit that happens to you. It's like terrible shit doesn't happen to you. No. Life is hard. Like, believe me, people have it a lot worse than most of us or most of the people listening to your show, right? And you just have to keep that in perspective. Like, people, I'm kind of a hard ass in that because I'm like, yeah, you don't have it that hard. I promise. You're sitting at home watching a computer in your car, listen to an interesting podcast. You probably have it pretty good. Yeah, most likely. (laughs) Yeah. Most likely. Wow. That, wow. I I didn't know any of that. That's crazy. Okay. So, um, where do we go from there? 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> You're like, wow, okay, great. That was great. See ya. It's <laughs> a big deal. Like, gosh. Okay, so. Yep. So you, you, uh, you were telling me about the business. Yeah, and that, that whole circumstance is what led me into the fitness industry. And, you know, I don't even really ever put myself out there as someone that's in the fitness industry because um, I view it as not really separated from actual life. Okay. Right. So right now we kind of, let me explain that. So right now we have this really big separation between like people that are into fitness, right. And then everybody else. Right. Right. Like, I mean, and if we look at the world, we have more access to programs, to information, to technology, right. There isn't anything you can't do to get fit now. Um, but most of the world is choosing not to. Right. And so versus kind of appealing to the people that really kind of at their core, like, I get it. I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to work out. I want to look good and feel good. That's only about 8% of the population. I consider myself almost like the anti-fitness fitness expert, right? Like I want to reach those people that think that fitness isn't part of actual living. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. And yeah. I hope that makes sense to most other people. It probably does because whoever is listening, you know, they may or may not work out and so if if fitness is not just a regular part of your weekly daily typically habit then that's the people that you're referring to because those are the fitness people so to speak right yeah you know and, and trying to kind of I'm, that's my mission is i'm trying to close this gap right yeah. to educate people and it kind of all came on board when you know the bodybuilding scene came in right? Which is really, it's a sport, right? It's not fitness. It's actually a very specific sport. But for some reason, the waves got crossed, that bodybuilding and six-pack abs and defined biceps mean fitness, right? Right. But those of us that are in the fitness industry realize that that doesn't necessarily mean wellness at all, right? Like when I was at my fittest and competing in CrossFit, I was my least well. Right. right. Because the stress yeah. I was putting on my body. So That's trying exactly to, right. trying to just redefine what fitness really means to the world, because the stuff we're doing now in working, <laughs> right? right. People are getting fatter, more depressed, yes, more in debt, right. More medicated, yeah. moving less. So what we're doing isn't working. So I think we need to, that's really my goal in my lifetime is to kind of bridge that gap to go like fitness isn't really fitness as in what does your body look like? Fitness means like how well are you and how fit are you in every area to live your purpose? Yeah, absolutely. Mentally, moving your body. I, yeah. yeah. Financially, emotionally, socially, There's, you know, I have eight different areas of wellness that I teach for that very reason, trying to get people to stop the connection between just your physical appearance or just your physical body and fitness, because there's a lot more to it. You know what what was interesting? One of the last years that I trained, which was, well, one of the last years that I was at the club that I spent my first four, four or five years at. A statistic came out that most people, and I, I find this very hard to believe, that most people, and I don't remember the percentage, go to the gym because of health reasons. For health reasons? I don't buy that shit. I'm not sure where the statistic came from, but I'm like, I don't buy that shit whatsoever. No. You, no, no. No. I think that there's 
pretty much like three categories. I've been in the business for a long time, like 15 plus years. And I really can kind of narrow it down into three buckets. It's like, you have the people that want to look good, naked, nothing wrong with that, right? That's their why. That's why they want to do it. I don't care. Like do it. Why you're going to, you're going to reap benefits on the health side from it. So whatever floats your boat, right? Look good, naked, alleviate pain Mm. or have more energy. Right? So people, when they get to a point where their body starts to break down and they're like, I've got a knee injury, my elbows always hurt, my shoulders hurt, right? Those people start becoming more aware of the importance of exercising because they're in pain and pain and pain sucks. Right? Yeah. Or those people a little later in life that are like, man, I worked all these years and I got a great house. I have a great family, but I'm so fucking tired all the time. Yeah. I can't even enjoy these things. That's right. right. That's a great one. And listen, you know, we're not talking about spending four hours at the gym. We're talking about spending 45 minutes to an hour each day. Absolutely. That's it. Yep. Like, you don't need to spend three hours. Guess what? The people that are spending three hours are not really spending three hours. They're spending two and a half of it talking. Yeah. And or on their phone. And right. <laughs> in all the Driving mirrors. Insane. Right. I know. Driving insane. My coach, it was a real, this is kind of a funny story because, you know, owning my own facility for those 10 years and we went from being kind of a small CrossFit gym and then we just exploded into several hundred member CrossFit gym. And then I realized like, this is just not for everyday people. I was not doing the right thing for people. So we cut it down to 50 clients and said, we're going to write your specific individualized fitness program. We're going to give you your nutrition protocol and work with you on your nutrition. And we're going to help you manage stress and ease your mind and yada, yada. So we took it all the way down to that scale, which was awesome. But having been in my own place for 10 plus years, when I sold my business and I had to go find a gym to join, oh my God. Like, so we didn't believe in having mirrors everywhere. You're like, you don't need to look at yourself in the mirror when you're lifting your weight, right? So then I went, I searched around everywhere. I'm in Coeur d'Alene and I searched high and low for a gym and I put one in a bay of my garage because I just ultimately couldn't get my head wrapped around the Globo gym scene. Yep. It just wasn't where I came from. So it was just so different for me. Yeah. So, I mean, it is kind of, I mean, it is where I started, but, mm-hmm. but I totally get it. I mean, Well, and I think that that's a good example too, is because partly it wasn't even because I would giggle about it and people would be like, you're you're bitchy. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just giggling because it's just kind of funny to me. But the sad part of it was that I would see, especially women overweight wanting, they want it, right? They know they need to do something, but they're so intimidated by it and you can't blame them. You know, they walk in and they're clutching their water bottle and they feel super uncomfortable. They probably just went and bought their new tennis shoes. Like my heart just like broke for those ladies. Cause they'd have oh. some big buff bro going like, well, you know, here's a leg press. And it's like, so then they go jump into a kickboxing class and they're overly fat. So then they tear their ACL or blow out their meniscus and then they're done. Right. Done. So I just, I hated watching that unfold. <laughs> yeah. Because then, you know, once they tear something or whatever, they, then the, then the answer is, Oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't That's work for I mean. me. I can't lunge. I can't squat. Mm-hmm. I can't jump. I can't jump rope. I can't, I can barely walk because my knee is like, yep. yeah. It, it, it is heartbreaking to see, you know, I had a, my, my best client lost over a little over a hundred pounds and 
she was four foot eight. Oh wow! And, oh yeah, four foot eight, and I I can't think it was close to close to three hundred. I mean, it was she. It was as wide as tall. It was crazy. Um, and it took us, you know, a couple of years to get that off. Yep. That w- wasn't really my fault. <laughs> I mean, and, but I mean, she's fortunate that she found someone like yourself, right? Because yeah. there's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people in the fitness industry that want to do the right thing. They have the right intentions, but maybe they just don't know how to do it. Right? That's very true. And right. with somebody like that, you have to know because, you know, you can't have somebody like that doing lunges because they're going to blow their damn knee out. Correct. Like, I mean, it, but you see it. You see these dumbass trainers, and it drives me insane. They're on their phone while their fat client is lunging. Yep. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I feel like, so I, I wrote a book about this, and I haven't published it yet. I'm close, but. Oh, awesome. Know. Yeah, because it's stupid. Dri- yeah. It drives me insane. Yeah. All right. So. You sold the business to your, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So I, after 10 years, you know, I kind of, I'd reached really kind of the pinnacle of where I was going to go and I'm a creator. And so for me, just creating something and then just staying in it and managing it, it, it's a slow death for me. And so I'd been doing that. Like I loved my clients. I loved all the people that had entrusted their health to me for nearly a decade. Um, But I just knew the time had come for me to move along. Like I found myself just not being who I was. I wasn't being the leader I should be. I was kind of burnt out of it. So sold it. Um, and it didn't go as planned, unfortunately. Um, okay. yeah, which, um, so just gentlemen, I sold it to really wasn't prepared or equipped to okay. run the kind of business that I had run. Um, and, I didn't see those things that now I look back and go like, man, the writing was completely on the wall. So I hold myself accountable for that um, because I think that I was kind of in a tunnel vision and I wanted out so bad that I didn't see the red flags that I should have seen. It does happen to us sometimes. And it was really hard because then, of course, I got backlash from all those people that were like, why did you leave us? Why would now you're trying to move on? Who do you think you are? We were loyal to you for all these years, right? And I would, I mean, the harsh reality is that was probably 90% of the people that used to work for me is that like thought I just deserted them, right? When really I was like, think about all the great shit I've done for so many people here now think about if we got my voice on a worldwide audience and I do this online, now I can help all those gals like we're talking about that clutch their water bottle and feel uncomfortable. They don't have to deal with that. So I had a really great cause and mission behind it, but man, it was a heck of a lot harder than, than I expected. I'll be honest. I, you know, so, you know, uh, from the standpoint of the people that were members I, I can see why they would feel that way. But at the same time, like you have to, you know, you have to do what is right for you, not what's right for 50 other people. Right. I mean, and I've gotten to the point, you know, like a, for instance, it's like I was over in France, I was competing. I competed in CrossFit at that time and was over in France and then stayed an extra week with my husband and I, so we could just decompress and be the two of us. I have a handful of employees. I call into the gym and like, no one's there. Right. So I have all these salaries going out the door. And when I'm not there, 
I'm just now micromanaging a bunch of people that I had tried to give a good opportunity to, and they just were kind of disrespecting it. So we literally made the decision. We were out to dinner and that day I had called in and nobody was at the gym. And I was like, you know what? I get back, I'm selling or closing. This chapter of my life is done. Yeah, I don't blame you. No, and that's kind of how I operate. I just kind of like pull out my gun and yeah. things down and then like plant new seeds. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But that ticks so you, a lot of people off, right? Yeah, but you know, it is, but it is what it is. That's how you operate. So, it, you know, like it or, or get the fuck out, you know? <laughs> well, in this case, get the fuck out anyway. So, yeah. So you sold it to the guy. Yep. Um, he was young and um, I think well-intentioned initially, but I just think that he had absolutely no, no idea what he was getting himself into. No idea. Did he have any kind of fitness background? I mean, He did, yep. And he had played like semi-pro ball, I think. I don't know if that was a story, if that's the truth. I'm not really yeah. sure. Um, sure. So there was kind of a lot of falsities going around in that conversation as well. So... Um, yeah. And financially I think had other sources of income. And so he didn't really need. This episode of the successful life podcast is brought to you by house call pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork or boost revenue house call pro is your all in one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Okay. Um, so what? So so how long did it stay open after he bought it? Well, he's still got it open, and okay. you know, I financed it, so I'm still getting checks from him. <laughs> I don't know how, right? right? I'm like, I don't want to bash him at all by any means. It was like just as much my fault for not seeing the writing on the wall as it was his, but it just didn't go well. Um, sure. And I owned the building that the facility was in because we had a wellness center in the front end as well. And so I ended up having to sell that building because there was no way I could be in that working environment. That was just never going to work for either of us. Right. So it, really, it threw a huge wrench in my plan though, because I planned on running my online business out of that building. And then all of a sudden I found myself at home working from home where I used to be around people all the day and had my gym to train in. And so I had a rough couple of years, the past two years, like I'm climbing out of it, but I'm not going to lie to you. It was kind of a shitty dark hole to be in for a couple of years. Okay. So this was two years ago. Uh, yeah. Literally. About two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. Let me tell you the reason that it's, it, I mean, a little bit in disbelief is because I left um, in September of of 2018, October 2017, and then opened the hormone clinic, mm -hmm. and then, then I exited October 18th. And I have been right where you have, where you were. Like, I just, I, things did not go like I anticipated. And so I've been climbing myself out of this pile of shit that I, so to speak, that I've been handed. But really, I've been, hand, I was handed a gift by getting out of that whole shit situation. 
and then being able to build out what I have since then. And the reality is I would have never done this if, right, what we're sitting here doing now, if I were still there. So right. anyway, I mean, that brings us full circle, right? All the way back yeah. to my initial story is that life isn't just happening to you, right? No. Like these are events that you really have to stop and be aware of. Like, why am I here? And most of the time it's because of choices we made, right? Sometimes it's external forces, but we still have the choice at the end of the day. Like, what are we going to do with that? Someone else shitty comes into your life. Well, what are you going to do with it? Right. Right? Hate on them and dwell on it. And I will admit, like I actually did hate on this guy and dwelled on it for nearly a year. Like it was yeah. consuming me because I was like, how could you do this to me? It was like, I was just full of anger. And when we had our very first Arate Syndicate Summit here in Coeur d'Alene and Dr. Joe Dispenza was our first speaker. Yes. Bura, yeah, yeah. And literally I had a complete epiphany in like the first 15 seconds because he talked about like, are you living the story you keep on telling yourself or are you actually creating a new story? And as if I don't know that, like I know that, but I didn't see it. It took him saying those words where all of a sudden I was like, God, you know why I'm just grinding in my daily life now is because I'm still telling the story that I'm Evie that owned Lotus, you know, like who fucking cares? You don't own Lotus anymore. Right. I was like, like Lotus doesn't exist. It's gone. He renamed it. It's done. That chapter is closed. And as soon as I freed myself from that, man, I've launched my podcast. It's like, I'm now working on my book where I was saying I was going to work on my book and then didn't do it. It's like all of that living in that bad story. It was me that was making the choice to do that. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and listen, Joe Dispenza absolutely had a part in me coming out of whatever it was I was in without a shadow of a doubt. Yep. And I'll tell you, you know, he said, what did, how did he put it? He's such a smart ass. He's like, well, it, he was like, well, you were, I'm in a mood. He's like, I'm, he, he, he says this, he was like, I'm talking to this lady and she says, I'm in a mood. And he was like, you're in a mood. She's like, well, what do you mean you're in a mood? And he was like, this thing happened to me six months ago. And he was like, and you're still in a mood about (laughs) something. You know how stupid that sounds, but we do it. Mm -hmm. We hold on to shit. Yep. Yep. But that was a, that was a a point where I was like, Oh man, it really get on. It really did. And I've added that I'm really methodical and, I'm not necessarily tied to a tight routine, but I'm very rhythmic in my day. I know my energy cycles when I'm, you know, most alert, most energized, most creative. And I kind of plan my days around that. And then I have a morning and evening routine. And now I've since that event, I've incorporated in my evening routine an evaluation, whether or not during the course of like today, I'll go home tonight and say like, did I live in a previous story today? Or did I spend my whole entire day creating a new reality and a new story for my life? That's powerful practice. And it really just comes down to just literally get a pen and paper and write it down. Right. No, that's, that's tremendous. That's absolutely tremendous. You know, when he told the story about his daughter, well, his story, yeah, everything he tells actually 
is pretty damn amazing. He's a pretty oh, yeah. amazing dude. Yeah, like, he, he is. really is. Just the energy and stuff in a room with him is is indescribable. Oh, gosh. So, oh, wow. Um, so what do you do for your morning routine? My morning routine, for one, I'm really, so I've always struggled with sleep. After the passing of my daughter, like, I had to take Ambien, and I just struggled yeah. with sleeping. Um, and so... I teach people proper sleep hygiene and stuff and only because really I struggle with it too. And I understand the importance of sleep. Um, so I do have a tight routine that I go to bed and I wake up at the same time every day. So that's seven days a week. Okay. Um, and I try to hold as tight to that as I possibly can. Cause it's a game changer for me. Um, so I wake up way, by the way. Yeah, about and it five is a game changer. Ahead, it is, ahead. right? Like if you don't get quality sleep, you don't even realize how shitty you feel until yeah. all of a sudden, if you got good sleep, you'd be like, oh my God, I'm a completely different person. Yeah. So, so I wake up about 5.30, let my dogs out and I do something that's called grounding. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but just standing your bare feet on the earth, absorbing electrons and energy from the earth. And I'm so far removed from really earthy and connected. <laughs> These are things right. that I've actually practiced or totally contrary to my personality in case you can't tell, <laughs> but they work. And so I stand outside for about five minutes in, even in the snow. Yeah. And I just am quiet during that time. Make my cappuccino. I do a quick, literally like five minute of gratitude journaling. And I call it gratitude journaling, but I kind of feel like that's almost cliche. And I'm not really giving thanks or being grateful. I'm just kind of being present in my life right? Sure. and getting, allowing myself some space in my head to, to take control of my day instead of right. being reactive to my day. And 100%. then my daughter's, it, my daughter's 13. So I have her to get up and going. I don't look at my phone until I take her to school at eight o'clock. That's a new practice for me. And it's a game changer with her being 13. She needs her mom present, right? Yeah. Like I need to be where I'm standing. Right? Well, and not to mention that, you know, when you wake up and, and listen, this is the number one thing that will every single time just about screw up my morning routine. If I make the mistake of looking at something coming through that damn phone, and, and it is a mistake, meaning like I, if the, I usually don't even use the alarm on the phone. Yeah. So, so I, I too don't look at it until it's time for me. And I do a thing called priming with Tony Robbins. Okay. And, and so I don't look at my phone until then. And then I only look at it to turn that on, but that's the very last thing that I do. And so, so my mind is not cluttered with, the shit you're putting on Instagram or the shit he's putting on Instagram. Like some direct I message I get from someone shitty that doesn't like me and is like, you know, I think right. you swear too much. I'm like, well, I'll file that in my, do you think I give a fuck bin? Right. But go. if I open my day with that, then do you see how that just lights me up? And I'm just like, yeah. then everything I put out to the world is going to be based on that shitty input that I got at the beginning of the day. So I don't let that That's stuff true. in. Yeah, I don't let either. it in. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So go ahead. Sorry. So that's just great practices for people, right? Takeaway for listeners. It's like you control what comes into your day. I know you don't think you do, but you actually do. So I don't look at my phone till eight o'clock. I move a little bit during that time. Usually just sit on the assault bike and spin out for like 10, 15 minutes just to move some blood around. Or if it's nice and it's light enough out, then I walk my dogs in the morning. 
And then I'm eight to 10. Eight to 10 is like my vault. It's what I call it. It's when I'm most creative and nobody comes in to that time or space. There's, there's no appointment scheduled during that. I protect that like Fort Knox because okay. I can create so much in two hours if I'm being really present sure. and taking advantage of all my natural energy during that time. And then at 10, I take a break or schedule things like this, have great conversations with people. Right? And then the afternoon, I do things that are less focused, right? Answer emails, get to those stupid direct messages that shitty messages that people send me or respond to really awesome, positive things where I'm helping people change their life. I respond to people. It doesn't take a whole lot of creative energy. And that's when I look at my social media. And then after that, when I pick up my daughter at three, like I'm hers. No problem after that. I mean, for the most part. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll check, I'll be on it periodically, but then at six o'clock, like for all of us, I set the new rule in our house. Like, Everybody's phones are out. Once dinner starts, phones are out. Wow. Yeah, that's hard. And it's hard. So much, <laughs> it is so hard. And you realize how much, how it, you know, it's sad when you are without the phone and you're looking to pick it up or you're turning your hand over to see if, you know, like you would if it were in your hand and it's really not in your hand. Right. It's we are so programmed. But it's, it's an addiction. Ridiculous. It's just the pickup alone. And I mean, the best way for people to become aware of that is just turn on their screen tracking time. I had my husband and my daughter and I all did it. And it was funny because my husband's a physician. He's an interventional radiologist. So he's got a crazy busy schedule, right? Sure. An intense job. And I work online, but I had to give him so much shit about it because after we did this little test, he had like 87 pickups through the course of the day. And I had like 52 and I was like, yeah. okay, babe, <laughs> how do you explain that one? And where, where it tells you how many times you literally pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It tells you how many times you pick up. Oh, I know that. That's the most telling because That's it's not because his hours weren't as much, but it was constant pickup. So it just shows you that like you're addicted to it. You need this constant stimulation. You know, you stop at yeah. a stoplight. You got to look at your phone, like light screen drive. Okay. Red light. Like, Man, that, that causes noise and clutter in your head. And you can't find any peace and calm if you're doing that all day long. No, you exactly. Yep. And, you know, Instagram was designed for pictures. And so, you know, it, 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 it captivates you, really. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. Oh, I'm guilty of it. I can sit there if I'm procrastinating. I don't want to work out. I had shoulder surgery two years ago. So, like, my fitness just went down the tubes and that's been hard because I can't do any of the shit that I used to love to do. Right. And so I like kind of like, mm, I'll look at Instagram for a little while and then I'll get into someone's story and then someone else's story pops up. And then 25 minutes later, I'm like, ah, I guess I probably should work out. <laughs> right. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yep. So, so now you are coaching people online. Yeah. So I have um, a company that's called EML eat, move, live. And okay. it's just, it's an, it's a membership based program. So it was basically everything I did for people in my brick and mortar facility. And I took it and I just put it all in one membership site. Mm -hmm. So we would have done an assessment for you when you came in. And so now it's a video guided assessment. And okay. however you score in that assessment, you go into one of four different fitness programs. Okay. Um, that program is called move. That's the move portion of it. 
and it's 52 weeks of programming that you have just right on your phone for you. So you never have a question if you're doing the appropriate exercise. It gives you everything you need for a whole entire year. Wow. Yeah. How long did it take you to put that together? A long time. A lot longer than I thought. I'm a creator, oh. so I'm like, hey, I can do this and it'll be ready in six months. It was like, no, it was about 18 months. But it's a, it's a hefty membership site. It is actually badass. We, I've spent so much time creating it that we haven't spent much time out there promoting it, sure. um, which is kind of what we're rolling into now. So, and then the eat portion has 468 recipes. It's all educational. It's a 30 day kickstart program for you. And then it's got 52 weekly meal plans with your shopping list. It's literally everything mm -hmm. you would ever need to eat, ever need to move. And then the live portion is that I do live coaching calls with the entire membership um, right. once a month, once a month. And so how do you handle that? So you, everybody gets on zoom and then I assuming, Yep. And then you speak out, do you take questions from the we people? We do. People can raise their hand. Okay. Uh, that is just hard. You know, like I would love to give everybody an opportunity to talk on there, but you and I both know you just end up having someone that maybe wants to monopolize the call and that's not fair to the other people. You know, this membership is $897 a year, which when you break it down monthly is nothing, but people have to pay that up front. So I, you know, respect the fact that people are paying good money for me to coach them. So it's only on raising your hand. So I pick a topic for that month that it's educational, a little inspiration, but mostly educating them, teaching them to be patient, you know, mindset principles, morning routines, stuff that they're not actually already getting tangible in the actual membership site. And right. then people can raise their hands or they can submit questions to me ahead of time. And I answer every single one of those questions. Nice. Yep. And now I'm developing, I've got three people that are um, mentoring underneath me. So I thought, you know, I really have big, I'm talking like really big ambitions for this. Like I want to like, I want people to know EML like they know Beachbody. Yeah, there you go. Because it's highly intelligent and it's for that population I told you about, that 92% of the population that isn't doing Beachbody and that shit because they don't think of themselves as into fitness. Right. right. So I'm like, how am I going to scale that out? So I'm in the process of writing an EML coaching course. That'll be a okay. nine month online coaching program for coaches. Right. Okay. And I've and got my three beta tests. Yep. Three, three. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Go ahead. I, they're my mentees. So I'm mentoring them. They come to my home. They're here locally in my community. So they come to my house every other week and we do a two hour session on movement and teaching them how to watch movement and fix movement. It covers all of nutrition, all of movement training, and then lifestyle coaching as well. So I'm nice. super excited about that. We'll be done with this group in the fall. And then I hope to have that coaching certification program out there and licensed by next year this time. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, you know, I always wondered after I left the fitness industry, I didn't really want to be in the fitness industry anymore, mm -hmm. you know, because like you said, you know, we as a trainer, you get, uh, you know, you're basically a garbage dump every day for people's shit. Mm -hmm. And, and the reality is, is that you're training part of the time and you're psychiatrist, the other part. Yep. And it really does take a toll on you oh, yeah. after a while. Yeah. And so and I, I think just especially, oh, go ahead. I just didn't really want, I just didn't want to get back into it. And so I thought, well, I could do online coaching, but I couldn't really wrap my head around how I would do that because 
I'm not going to stand in my office and do exercises. Like I, so I just never really, I even wrote a course about how for trainers to learn how to sell because God knows they don't know how to sell. Yep. Trainers, I feel like either know how to train really well or they can sell. They very rarely can they do both. Yep. Yeah, that's, I mean, this was a huge undertaking that I took on. Believe me, it was like, we didn't do it just like, okay, we're going to try to dabble. Like we spent 18 months with a couple of different backend website developers and stuff and all those training videos. I've got exercise library for every exercise. Like it, oh it was an extensive program. But, you know, I think fast forward to where we're going, a lot of people want to work out from home anymore for one. So like our move for function, which is like the, the baseline program that you would fall into, you can do all of that from home. It's three days a week. It's just meeting people where they are. And then it goes all the way up to move for quality, which is like hard charging. You're going to be able to do shit that most people never will be able to do. Right. Um, and then everything in between, but because of that, right. And then for trainers, like I was in that business and I hired people long enough to know that the trainer is somewhat in a, in a predicament. So you've got this client that is paying you by the hour to spend time with you. So you feel somewhat compelled to give them kind of like what they want versus like what they need. Now the people that really get it will give the people what they need. And they're going to be like, if you don't want to work with me, you don't want to work with me. But unfortunately, the, you and I both know that's not the vast majority of trainers. The vast majority of trainers are like, oh, you don't want to do leg day to day? Okay, well, you don't have to do that. Oh, you don't like yeah. to do this? Well, then you what don't have you to, like do to do it. What would you like right. to do today? And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? What do you mean? What, <laughs> what would you, you like to uh, do? What, what would you like to do? Like, uh, take yeah. your shirt off and give it to the damn client. Well, you don't go into your CPA at the end of the year and go like, well, this is the stuff I'd like to write off. <laughs> right. Like there's fucking rules, right? right. <laughs> but right. for some reason, the fitness industry has that really ass backwards. They're like, okay, the client dictates what the professional does. And it made me crazy. Like it really did. Mm. And we didn't do that in my facility. It was like, these are professional coaches. They're like fucking qualified. These guys have to like whiteboard workouts for me for avatars on a weekly basis. Like we get in there and we know our shit, right? right. So we're professionals. And when you come to us, we're going to tell you what you need to do because we want to take care of you. Right. That's but why the you hire a doesn't view itself as that. Correct. But the fitness industry is one of the weird industries out there that they don't view themselves as professionals. It's unreal to me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's unfortunate because nobody wins because then the, the trainer's not happy, right? They feel frustrated because they want to do something better for the client, but they just don't know how to do it. The client's not getting what they need. That's a nobody wins. Right. And you know something, yep. if you've got a resistant client, either one of two things, either you're not communicating right to the client where they can understand what they need to do, or you just need, to, you need a backbone because... I'm going to tell you, like, I took shit from nobody. Like, you either do what I have planned for you today, or you can take your ass home, check the box, and I'm still going to get paid. Right. I don't care whether you came here to work out. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to get paid regardless, but you signed up with me, and you gave me a commitment. So, therefore, you're going to follow through with that. Because yeah. if you don't, I look bad, and you don't get what you want. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> 
But I think unfortunately what happens for most or a good portion of trainers, personal trainers or people who are into fitness, they're personally into fitness and they love it, but they don't realize like loving something, just like being athletic doesn't mean that you're going to be a good trainer. Actually quite contrary. If shit comes really easy to you, you're probably not very good at teaching everyday Joes how to move right? Because it just True. came so easy for you, right? So loving fitness isn't the qualifier of whether or not you're a good trainer. And the public needs to know that. Agreed. Because they walk in and they're like, hey, look at that girl's booty. She's got a rock solid booty and great legs. And you're like, genetically, she's probably predisposed to it. For two, she probably weighs and measure all of her food, none of which you're ever going to be willing to do, right? right? And she works out like a fiend. Are you willing to do those things? No, then no. sorry. <laughs> but you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But those things are so important. Everything's just named. I mean, weighing food is so important. Yeah. I mean, it just is. I don't, uh, you know, I, in my opinion, I don't really care who you are. I mean, you don't have to weigh every single meal, but the fact is you're overeating most, most likely if you're not weighing it. And it's a really good learning tool for people when they first start to become aware of what nutrition looks like. Right. It's Agreed. super valuable. I never wanted people to do that for the long term. I wanted them to use it as a tool to start building awareness and honesty about what they're really eating. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. One hundred percent. And you do learn. And you learn to eyeball. Oh yeah. As long as yep. you don't lie to yourself and say, Oh, yeah, I think that's about right. Mm. Mm, no. <laughs> Seventy five hard <laughs> will fix that for you. Yeah. That whole eyeballing stuff and you know, did you go through seventy five hard? No. Yeah, so, it, you know, but even being in the fitness industry forever, um, it was not easy. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. Long. It's not easy at all. Oh. Yeah, what, um, yeah, so we'll just move on from that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I have, you know, I, I did an interview with Tyler not I did, I did an interview on here with Tyler, but I also did um, for for seventy five hard. Sure. And interestingly, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday who's he's in RK and and he was like, you know, I went through a depression afterwards. Oh, interesting. And I said, I actually understand that. I said, I I don't really talk about it mm -hmm. because. Because you go so, especially if you have to start over like I did, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're now going hundred, hundred plus days of no rest and the, whatever you diet you chose and it's really hard. And after you're done, I mean, I was like, I don't ever want to see the inside of a gym. <laughs> you know, I mean, fortunately that didn't stick, but... Right. You know, it just, you're after you're done, you're just like, I'm just so worn down. Mm -hmm. I mean, you understand, you did, you did CrossFit in CrossFit. I was a competitive games. CrossFitter at a high level, right? Like yeah. I won the Alpha Games in France back in 2017. It's like, I mean, I trained five hours a day for seven years, had a coach, yeah. I weighed measure. Yeah. Like we're, I mean, that's how I end up with shoulder surgery, right? Because I'm 47 now. So that just takes a toll on your body after you get a certain age. And it's not that I'm old. It's just that like the female body is not meant to do men's gymnastics, like ring work. So a bunch of muscle ups and you're going to blow out your shoulder. It's just inevitable for a female. So it caught up with me. But for me, that's why I kind of didn't do 75 hard is because I've spent so many years grinding. So as far as like I came into even with, into Arate with 
like a physical discipline and stuff that a lot of just entrepreneurs have not ever done that portion, right? And I'm the opposite. I came into Arte because I needed the business mentoring to take right. this thing worldwide like I'm trying to do. Like if we want this to be a household name, I got to have people around me that know how to build a business into a household name. So right. I didn't need that portion. Like I'd done that where a lot of the people in that group are, are the opposite, right? They're high level entrepreneurs and have a lot of business sense, but they've missed out on a lot of like the physical and mental toughness and things of pushing their body. Okay. For sure. Yeah. For so I think there's huge sure. value in it for those people. Yeah. Huge value. Absolutely. I agree. I yeah. totally agree. Sorry about this light. Let me, um, right. I'm trying, I'm struggling here trying to like keep it where you can see me, but I'm just going <laughs> to just move shut. around. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm just going to shut it and then I'll have lines on my face. You'll see. No biggie. No, I just need to fix it or change it or something. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, sorry about that. No problem. It should be a whole hell of a lot better. There you go. Better for me, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, what right now? Um, it has not launched yet, right? Or it? EML. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh no, we launched it. It's been. It we launched a year ago in January. Okay. So we just started okay. our second year. Mm -hmm. And so, as far as your membership goes, how do you mind telling me, like, how the member, how big your membership base is, and it's not as big, obviously, as we would want it. Sure, of um, course. Yeah, and so we are, we're kind of, we've gone back to the drawing table a couple of times with it, and we're launching a intro program to it. Okay. So people have to get to know me first and trust me. So that's sure. been the, that's been the biggest hurdle is because I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I really am an expert in my field, right? Right, like, of course. I am, like I'm older, I've been around for a long time, and so I know my shit. And then going online, Nobody knows who I am. They're like, I don't know who she is. Like, I don't, I don't, I have any, no idea. So I'm in a really crowded space. So oh. we have literally, instead of, and I'm not really doing this because I was trying to like sell memberships. That's why as far as like business mentoring for people, I'm like, I'm probably not your gal because I approach it with, if I just build trust with you, I educate you, you start to trust me. You dabble a couple of things with me and then I've got your loyalty, then you buy. So getting into EML for me is a slower process, right? Sure. Especially when you've got online, you've got all these kind of dingy programs out there that are $19 and, and if people don't know anything, they don't know what they don't know. They're like, I'm going to pay $900 to work with this lady, or I can just buy a program from someone that looks cute and pink dumbbells in her hands for $19. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's that? talk about that exact thing. So, you know, what do you, so if you pay $900 for a program or you pay $19 for a program, you know, I know the obvious answer from you, but I wonder if the audience would think, well, I'm going to get as much value out of one as the other, their fitness programs. Absolutely not. And let oh. me explain, even if the content was the same even if it was the exact same the fact that you paid nine hundred dollars for the program i guarantee you're going to use it more than the 19 dollars one guarantee it yeah people are invested so that's the thing like people come to me because they're like you know what you know your shit and i trust you and i'm in this like i'm at a point in my life so my demographic is typically 35 and over 
right? The majority are anywhere from 40 to 55 because they're at a phase in their life where they know quick fixes don't work. They've done every single kind of starvation diet out there and they're still getting fatter, right? Because you start talking hormone and gut disruption and stuff. By the time you're in your 40s, you got some serious shit to fix, right? So those people have now done everything. They've done the $19 program. So now they're like, no, I'm willing to invest in myself because I don't ever really want six pack abs, but I want to feel good. I want to be really great at my job. I want to be patient with my kids, right? That, that's my people, right? Yeah, and I don't I sell mean, it any differently. I'm like, if you want to look good, these programs are going to make you look really great as long as you control your diet and get good sleep and everything else. But right. I'm selling you a longevity product. Right. Sure. Not six pack apps. Right. And technically, I, I, people could do this, your program every year, right? I mean, there'd be no reason why oh, they couldn't. Year do after it. year. We just had new, yeah. all our new subscriptions. Like when we launched, we offered a deal when we launched, and the program went from $3.95 to $8.95 in one year. Oh, wow. Okay. Because we enhanced because of- it and had much more demand. We just realized, like, I was giving away the farm. But I was, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things too. And there's some funny, I don't really buy into a lot of the male and female differences in business and all that stuff. I'm like, I don't even want to talk gender, but there is a clear difference in females confidence in selling something, right? You're like, see what I created. Isn't it pretty? And don't you like it? And it was a lot of hard work where guys are like this 900 bucks. Right. Want it? Fucking take it or leave it. <laughs> right? And I was doing that. I was totally selling myself short. I'm like, why am I? It was $400 a month to work with me in my facility. And now I'm giving away a program for $400 for a fucking year. I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> but true. I just, but I lacked confidence because it was a new space for me. And I just felt overwhelmed by trying to prove to who I am. And I'm like, well, maybe if I lower the price, then people will like it more. I got over that real quick. Yeah, because you sold yourself as not the expert. You sold yep. yourself as the $400 lady, not the expert $900 lady. You got it. And at $900, it's still a hell of a deal, right? Because sure. it's, that's two months of working with me before. And now you got a whole year. That was That's less than one month working with me. Well, there you go. See? <laughs> I mean, yeah, $1,000. If you want right. to come and work with me, you come and work with me three days a week, it's $1,000. Yep. And... Take it or leave it is what it is. I mean, so that, that is, yeah, that's We're, incredible. I've learned a lot too. And Arate has been really integral in helping me kind of figure out these sort of things. Cause I'm more of a people person. I'm a sociologist. I'm not, I didn't, I'm not used to creating businesses, right? I just do it kind of from the heart and then see what happens, sure. uh, which is always good in the long term, but in the short term, it's kind of painful um, to add a couple of layers to that. So we're starting a program. It should roll out next month. That's called EML Strong Start, where it's $99 for 90 days. And it gives you a taste. It's not near the breadth of what we have in the full EML membership, but it gives you an idea of like kind of on-ramping yourself into the program. I think that's really smart. Yeah. And then we're going to go a level above that because I hold conferences every year. I hold a big conference, a health and wellness conference in Cabo um in january really? of every year yeah and it's it's a high-end conference it's you know five thousand dollars eight thousand for a couple so i need to tell me about this i want to know more about this because this is a space in the oh and i mean sorry i, I just went add on you uh, <laughs> sean sean sleep smart sean 
to be sure you know who he is. I don't know. Shit. What? Is it Will? No. Uh, Sean. Damn it. He wrote the book Sleep Smart. Oh. Yes. I know who you're talking about, but I can't. I think he actually lives in St. Louis now that I think about it. But either way, um, it made me think earlier when you were talking about how you teach people to sleep. I do the same thing because I read his book and it resonates so much. I learned so much through his book that I did a whole chapter in my book about what he had written and the key things that about sleeping and so on and so forth. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, combo. So we hold this conference every year and it's different than any other kind of fitness retreat out there because most of those fitness retreats are about like detoxing you and giving you clean food for three days and having you do exercises and then just sending you home. Right. But it's easy to do that when you're in a confined controlled environment, right? It's like someone going to treatment. It's really easy not to drink in treatment, but then you go home and you're like, what the fuck am I going to do now? So when we created this conference, it was really more of an educational and a lifestyle experience. So we do it in Mexico. It's at a really high end resort called Pedregal. Um, We have myself and my biomechanical specialist. She's a yoga instructor, but she's much more than that, that teaches movement and meditation practices. And then I'm partnered with some guys from the American Center of Biological Medicine. So we have Doc Tom, who's a functional medicine practitioner, and he comes and lectures on functional medicine. Um, And people can do their blood work ahead of time and then have it evaluated when they're there. It's a super awesome experience. But then at night we have dinners and yes, we have some margaritas and like we have fun things on the beach. So it's really all about like how to incorporate again that being fit doesn't mean not having a fun lifestyle. Sure. Yeah, it's a four-day conference. It's fantastic. So we're thinking about what we're going to offer possibly is like an EML elite where, because I limit that to 20 participants because I want it to be intimate. Like I could make a lot of money off of doing it, but I don't want to do that because it's just going to lessen the in Cabo? 20 in Cabo. Yep. Have you ever thought about doing one of these anywhere else? Just out of curiosity. Yes. So we want to be able to do them like probably three, maybe four times a year, like one a quarter, but it's just me at this point. So I'm like between my podcast, writing a book, EML. I'm going to talk to you whenever we stop recording, which I usually, I just cut people off, which I'm not going to do anymore. (laughs) I just realized last night I was like, I was like, because my wife does a podcast. I'm like, do you, um, do you talk to your people afterwards? And she was like, yeah and i'm like oh (laughs) i'm like i've literally hung up on some of the largest speakers in the world (laughs) and like i have not thought a fucking thing about it and oh it's not funny like just i just hang up that's it i don't tell you i mean i say bye and then that's it anyway (laughs) jesus that's great so the the reason this is interesting is for a couple of reasons one um i have a one of my best friends owns or runs uh it's it's technically it's like an airbnb Uh but it's in costa rica and it's nestled away on this lake and there's there's this little landing that evidently you could go up to where you could do yoga 
and like all the animals that you think you're going to see in Costa Rica are all there. All there. Oh, all awesome. of them are there because the trees or whatever kind of trees they are are yeah. there. And so him and I were just talking about this last night, literally. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that is thing, our, I mean, we have a lot of like five year benchmarks of where we want this to be. And we definitely want to be able to take it some other venues right now with just my small team i've got a operations director and then i've got a back-end technology and graphic gal so as this company grows we will definitely grow the venues and sure. the opportunities for people to participate at a higher level but we're always because i do this because i love it not because i need to and so right, right i just like I want to love what I do and I want people to love the experience. So it's not going to go over 20 people. Like we may have to have more of them, but 20 people is just so good because people can be vulnerable and they'll really open up in the group setting. And it's just a, and for, I really get to know people then too. Cause if there's 50 there, I, I just can't, like yeah, I can't get to I, the same level. Like these people yeah. become like kind of lifelong friends of ours and they become clients and stay with us pretty much for a lifetime. Well, I mean, that's a good amount of money to pay if you're, you know, and they should be able to talk to you. Oh, they yeah. If for four days they're paying $5,000, it's like then they need to be able to have, and I sit down with people. Like my whole, my, like my four days is nothing but committed to people that are there. So I do one-on-one -on -one sessions with them. They can totally lay it out there and I can figure out how I'm going to help them best. So I want there to be a lot of, there's a lot of value in that four days. That is, I think what you just said, it's, it's so important that you, that you keep that human connection up front um, because, you know, a lot of people just, uh, you know, including myself, even sometimes I'll, if I'm working, I, you know, I have my only human connection is through this damn computer. Or, I get it. Like I miss that. Know? That's the one part of my business that I really want to hold on to because I was forever working face-to-face -face with people and now that everything is digital and online like i miss that human connection like i need it as much as they do and it yeah. keeps me sharp and on my toes right otherwise you kind of get disconnected if you don't practice it right i got to sit down with people and actually remember what people's real problems are and how i'm going to help them well you know i'll tell you another thing too is you got to be able to read people too. I don't know, you know, I don't know if everybody can read people, but my wife is a micro expression specialist. Mm -hmm. Great for fucking me, right? No, <laughs> I'm I, sorry. I, I, will not be, I will not be lying about any damn thing. And so, oh, and, I know, and I know when she's checking it too, because she's like, she's looking at me like, hmm. when she's checking, I mean, because when I say micro expression, like, it is a small list. It could be, I mean, you, you're, to the normal eye, you will never see it, right? Unless you're trained, and I'm like, God, this is unreal. But I've learned a lot from her through this, and so I've learned, you know, to see, you know, if, if somebody has some shame, you know, they may look down when right. they're talking to you, and they don't even know. Yeah, it's the program that they're running. Yeah, so to speak. and as someone that works with people online, when you don't have that feedback from them it's really it's like it's hard for me to know whether i'm making an impact right like i have to go like okay am i getting some feedback from you where if you're sitting in a room or if i'm doing a live speaking event i can tell what's happening in the room but just if it's online i can't see their faces and they just have a little avatar sitting up there or a picture of themselves 
that's, that's a totally different level. So I think it's really important, even though like we're going more and more to working online, right. And that's just the way it's going to work that we still keep that human connection in some aspect of our business. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, your book, did you finish it? Have you finished it yet? No, I'm working on it. Okay. Is it, so is it just, can you give us like a little bit of an idea? Is it? The, the title is You Matter. Nice. Um, it's somewhat of a background in my personal story. So I'm sharing a whole portion of my story, basically my whole entire childhood up to current times, um, along with I'm upwards of 300 interviews with different women. I'm starting with women right now in this book um, and really dissecting where we got to the point where we are right now, where women have completely lost themselves in order to raise their family or to completely dedicate themselves to the career. Because I can tell you, this is crazy. Literally, out of um, near 300 interviews now, there isn't one woman who says that she hasn't lost herself. She no longer does what she loves to do. She feels like her family always has to come first. That she feels guilty for even taking care of herself because she should be doing something else for her family. Like it comes down to feeding kids first. I stand up in the kitchen and I feed my kids and then I rush them to school and then I rush them to basketball practice and then I rush them to volleyball and then I make dinner. And and these aren't just stay-at-home moms. These are women that work outside the home as well. So it's a really interesting phenomenon to me, and it's too much to go into on this call, but the background and where did that start from and the, and that the pressure that women are putting on one another to be the perfect mom. And it's fucked up. Like women say that we want to empower one another, we want to help one another, but we're actually really each other's worst enemies in that we're constantly comparing ourselves to one another and who's the better mom, who had the better birthday party for their kid. If you don't breastfeed, you're a totally shitty mom. Like there's so much judgment in that world right now. It's just, it's completely fascinating to me. So it has a little bit to do with what I do in health and fitness, but really it's a matter of like giving yourself permission to matter in the world and then to take it to the end. It's like that you matter. And the subtitle is to nobody and to everybody because Mm -hmm. you matter in your immediate life. Right. But the reality is like you're only one little tiny breath away from death and then you don't fucking matter at all. Like how many people are going to remember you? Right. Right. So in the scheme of, humankind you really don't matter so you better take advantage of the shit you actually do matter in yeah and plus like we're only here for a short period of time like you think it's a long time but really we're gonna find out whenever the hell we leave this earth it was not very long no it's one little tiny blip like there's eight mil there's eight billion people on the planet like you really don't matter that much No, the only one that matters that much, I think, is the Kardashian that has like a third of the pop- population by following her on Instagram. And I'm I like, guess. Oh, <laughs> You're like, that alone is a whole other topic, right? It blows my mind. So, all right, well, we'll wrap up and, yeah. um, and, and just hang tight. And I, I just want to stop the recording. But I uh, thank you so much, so much, so much for coming on. I yeah, really it was a great conversation. Enjoyed. Yeah, it was Absolutely. really good to get to know you deeper. Love it. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Me too. So give me just a moment.
You got it. Thank you. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at coreybarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.